it's exciting that the business boutique was made for you. I know that I can make a difference in people's lives, and I want to do that. Hearing a lot of what other people are going through is really healing in a sense and motivating as well. I have the world in my hand, and I can do whatever I want to. Learning from some of the top leaders who can make these dreams a reality is just so exciting. It ignited a passion in me to know she can do that, we can do that too. I'm so blessed to have heard the podcast that led me to this moment. and welcome to the Business Boutique Podcast. I'm Christy Wright, and today we're talking about understanding your competition. Later on in the show, I'll be interviewing brand strategist, leadership consultant, and host of the Bombshell Business Podcast, my friend Amber Hurdle, about how to work with your competition. We'll also hear the story of Janet Wall and Evie Bennett. Janet recently launched her new business at our Business Boutique event in Atlanta this past spring. I'll also be answering some of your questions. But first... Let's talk about understanding your competition. You know, competition is a tricky thing. Now, we all know, regardless of what type of business that you have or what industry that you're in, that you're going to have competitors. There are going to be other people doing something similar and maybe in some cases better than you. We all have competition, but we're not sure exactly what that means. Do we work with them? Do we fight against them? Like, what are we supposed to do when it comes to competition? Competition can bring about some strong emotions in us. It might bring up some fear. It might make you feel intimidated. It might even bring up a little bit of anger. I'll be totally transparent with you guys. In the past six months, my team and I have discovered multiple businesses that have completely stolen the business boutique branding. Like they stole the name, business boutique. They stole the branding, the barnwood, the little coffee mug, the iPad, the logo, the fonts, the layout, everything. I did a little research on one of these businesses to see how this even came about. And when you read the about page on her business, she talks about how she dreamed up business boutique. I'm like, did you? Did you dream that up? Or did you jack it from our website? You can see I'm getting a little heated. (laughs) The truth is competitors can bring out some strong emotions in us. There will be people out there, and certainly some with less integrity than others, that might try to steal your stuff. They might try to copy and paste what you're doing. They might try to undercut you or steal something that you're doing and take credit as if it's their own. There are some dangers when it comes to competition. Now, of course, I'm not going to name names of which businesses stole the business boutique logo. And at the end of the day, I'm not really worried about it. I know that God has a place and a calling for what I'm doing through the original business boutique. And whatever they're trying to do or copy is not going to slow me down one bit. I'm going to do what I've been called to do and not let myself get distracted by those other knockoffs out there. But the truth is, competition can damage your business if you aren't smart about how you interact with them. They may try to steal your customers, or they may try to steal your stuff, like your patterns or your methods. They may try to steal your credibility by trash-talking about you. There's a wide range of things that can go wrong when it comes to interacting with your competition. But believe it or not, there's a lot that can go right as well. That's why in this episode, I want to give you my top four do's and don'ts of competition. This is going to help you know what to use to your advantage in your own business and what to avoid in order to protect yourself. So let's dive right in to my do's and don'ts when it comes to competition. All right, my first do. I do want you to do research. This helps you understand and learn from your competition. Now, if you have the Business Boutique book and you've been following along and filling out your plan, you're probably already a little familiar with this. 
but you want to know what your competition is doing well. Those are things that you can learn from and duplicate, such as policies or procedures or systems. You can also learn what they're doing poorly that you can avoid and do differently. There are areas where they may not be doing a good job, and those are areas that are opportunities for you to set yourself apart. You might also be able to identify any threats to your business that you want to protect yourself against. Just a few weeks ago, my husband and I participated in a duathlon. Now, on race day, we went and picked up our packet, and in the packet, they had little coupons. There was a coupon in my packet for 10% off any product. I was really excited to get a coupon because y'all know I love saving money after working for Dave Ramsey and all, but there was one problem. On that coupon, there was no name of the business. Like, it just said 10% off your purchase. I thought, well, great. Where? Where am I going? Who is this for? I had no idea. It was only later, after asking multiple people on race day who the coupon was for, that I found out it was for the local bike shop. The local bike shop, by the way, that was sponsoring that event. Well, if that wasn't enough, that their coupon was clearly not marked and I wouldn't have any idea of where to go to use my coupon, the race course actually went right by that shop. So I ran at mile four of the duathlon right past the bike shop. And you know what? It was closed. So a race they were sponsoring actually had a course that went by their bike shop. They didn't have a single person there. The store wasn't open. There was no water, no oranges, no cheering section, nothing. The lights were out, and it was as deserted as can be. Now, if I was a bike shop owner, which I'm not, but if I did own a bike shop in this city in another lifetime, I would see that as a major opportunity. That bike shop had terrible marketing, terrible branding, and terrible representation at the race they were supposedly sponsoring. Now, sure, I know some of them were probably present actually at the race, but to not have your shop open when runners are literally running by there on the day of the race that they could use their coupon if they figured out where it was to was a huge miss. So I saw that with my marketing mind, the way that I look at things, as a major opportunity for another bike shop in town. So what are some opportunities you can think about when you learn about your competition? What are opportunities to set yourself apart from them and maximize? Now, I know that I tell you guys to do research all the time, and I talk about this in my business boutique book as well, but I've never given you the formula on how to research your competition. In fact, I didn't even include that in the business boutique book, but today I'm giving it to you. So if you want to get your business boutique SWOT analysis, which is your worksheet for researching your competition, all you have to do is go to businessboutique.com in the show notes for this episode. You'll enter your email address and you can get this free download. A SWOT analysis is where you research your competition. SWOT, S-W-O-T, stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. In this worksheet, I walk you through exactly how to learn about these different aspects of your competition and how to make decisions for your business based on what you learn. So go to businessboutique.com in the show notes for this episode and download your SWOT analysis. Now, I do want you to do research. Here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to stalk your competition. And y'all, let's be honest here. This is a slippery slope. You might get tunnel vision on your competitor and then all of your decisions about your business become based only on what your competition is doing or not doing. It's kind of like the cliche of the little brother or little sister. I have two kids, and even though they're babies, I can already see how different they are. 
You know, when you have an older child and a younger child, typically the older child is super talented at something or super driven in one area, and the younger child, in an effort to be different, just decides to not be those things. Well, I'm not going to be good at baseball, and I'm not going to be smart and try hard in school. They want so badly to be different that they make all of their decisions about their life simply on being different from what their older sibling is doing. Now, it's cliche and a little bit of a stereotype, but it's also a little bit true. And unfortunately, it's easy to do this in business. You become so fixated on what your competitors are doing that you make all of your decisions simply around being different from them. Don't get caught up in stalking them and don't make all of your decisions about your business on being different. Just learn enough from them in order to make better decisions for your business. All right, so my first do and don't of competition is I do want you to do research. I don't want you to stalk them. But let's talk about the second one. I do want you to implement what you learn in your research. So what needs to change in your business as a result of what you learned? What can you put into practice to improve or grow your business as a result of that research? You might want to make changes to your policies or your systems. You might want to adopt a different best business practice that you'd not have even thought of. Maybe there's even some marketing things that you can learn from what they're doing on social media that you want to duplicate. Best business practices are there for everyone, and that's why they're best practices, because they work. There's no one business that gets to claim rights to all best business practices. So use your research and then implement some of those best practices into your business. So I do want you to implement what you're learning in your research. What I don't want you to do is imitate or copy them. Now, there's a fine line here. There's a difference between duplicating what's a best business practice that's free for anyone or straight up copying what they're doing. In the example I opened with of other business boutique businesses out there with the exact same font, exact same graphics, and exact same logo, that's a straight up imitation. They directly copy and pasted what we were doing. That's not learning best business practices. That's stealing. Now, I'll give you guys a great book and a resource that can help you understand this difference. There's a book called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. It is one of my favorite books on this topic. It totally takes out the intimidation factor of your competition and helps you understand how you can learn from other people and take what they're doing, but then you make it your own. You take the best ideas out there and you make them your own by putting your voice and your style and your ideas around them. It's not a straight copy and paste. It's simply you learning from your competition and then making it yours and making it better. So I highly recommend this resource for you guys to help you learn from your competition, but still have the confidence to be able to implement what you're learning from them. We've also got a link to the book in the podcast show notes for this episode. All right, so let's talk about my third do and don't when it comes to competition. I do want you to champion your competition when you can. Now, this takes discernment to decide what opportunities make sense for both parties and which ones don't. For me, it usually comes down to if it's a compliment or a copy. What I mean by that is, if I'm thinking about working on a new project with a competitor and they're able to offer something that's a compliment to what I'm already doing, then of course, I want to have that person in our brand, in our events, in our products and services to serve my customers on a deeper level in that way. But if it's a direct copy, that doesn't make sense for me or for them. You can also really look at the spirit behind it. When both people are generous and happy to help each other out, it makes sense. But if one party is only interested in what they get out of it, usually something is off. So I want you to have the discernment to identify when can you work with your competition in a way that makes sense for both of you, 
and when do you need to protect yourself and set some boundaries. So I do want you to champion your competition when you can. I don't want you to confuse your customers. Now, here's what I mean by that. Some situations might be a great fit to work with your competitor, while others might not be. For example, there are a ton of business coaches out there that teach business plans. I will never have another business coach speaking at a business boutique event teaching their plan. Why? I teach a business plan and I am a business coach. That would confuse my attendees. They would be sitting there taking notes thinking, well, which business plan is right? Which one do I implement? I don't understand what to do next. See, when you have a direct competitor that's doing exactly what you do in your space, reaching your customers, and you allow that to happen, you confuse your customers and you don't want to do that. Now, you can find someone that's in a similar space that can complement what you're doing. Now, we do this at business boutique events all the time. All of the speakers at business boutique events are in a similar space. The vast majority of our speakers help small businesses. Well, that's what I do. We have the same target market, but they might have a different specialty. So Nicole Walters teaches selling, or Molly Pittman will teach a deep dive on email marketing. We're in similar spaces, but what they're doing is totally complementing what we're doing at Business Boutique. And as a benefit to them, they're getting access to a whole new group of customers that they can benefit from as well. So find ways to work with your competition when it makes sense, but don't confuse your customers. And the fourth and final do and don't when it comes to competition is I do want you to get inspired. Let other people around you inspire you to do more and go further and work harder than you'd be able to on your own. You know, I'll give you an example. A very good friend of mine and a rock star speaker is Christine Kane. Y'all, this woman is incredible. She has two girls. She travels all over the world. She runs a nonprofit. She leads a women's ministry. She's an author. She does it all. And you know what? She also works out every single day. So when I'm feeling unmotivated and I'm wanting to sit on my couch and eat Oreos by the sleeve and make excuses and feel sorry for myself about how hard my schedule is and how difficult my boys are and I just don't have the energy to work out, I think of someone like Christine. This woman travels 300 days a year. She does it all, and she still makes time to take care of herself and take care of her body. Someone like that pushes me. Someone like that challenges me and inspires me. It gets me moving and gets me going. So you can certainly allow your competition, or anyone for that matter, to inspire you. But here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to get intimidated. I don't want you to look at someone doing it better or faster or doing it cheaper or doing it even with more of an influence and impact than you have and get intimidated and want to give up. Because remember, I've told you guys this many times, there's room for you too. There's room for you in the marketplace and there is a need that only you can fill. There is a place for your unique voice and talent and passion and skill. There is a gap in the marketplace and it's got your name on it. So I do want you to get inspired by your competition, but I don't want you to get intimidated by them. You know, I'll wrap up with a story from college that's a great example of this. There was a woman in college that mentored me, and her name was Jana. And y'all, Jana was amazing. She had two daughters, and she was an author and a speaker and a writer. And, you know, keep in mind, back then when I was in college, I didn't dream of doing what I'm doing today. I was just a crazy college student. Now, I remember driving home from her house one day where she had mentored me and given me some guidance on something I needed to do, and I kind of was praying in my car. I was a new Christian at this time, and so I didn't even really know if I was praying or talking to God or just thinking out loud. 
But I remember driving home and thinking, God, I hope I can be like Jana. Like if I could be half of the woman that Jana is, I would be amazing. And y'all, I'll be honest, my throat is getting tight even as I'm saying these words now because I felt God say to me, oh no, Christy, I don't want you to be Jana. I want you to be you. And it was like I felt in my spirit that there was something very special about me being me, which as a 19-year-old was hard to imagine at that time. I was lost and lonely and crazy and confused. But now looking back, you see just how faithful God was, that He had a plan for me and a plan for my story and my life. And women, the same is true for you. Don't be Jana. Don't be me. Don't be Amber. Don't be anyone else. Be you. Because God has an incredible plan for your life and a story that He wants to tell through you. And I promise it's better than anyone else that you want to be like. And when you know that, when you know who you are and the unbelievable value that God places on you, you don't have to be intimidated by your competition. You have a place in this world and in the marketplace. And the best part is that when you have the confidence in you doing your thing, you can be secure enough to champion other women doing their thing as well. Now, in addition to my free download, the Business Boutique SWOT Analysis, which you guys can get at businessboutique.com in the show notes for this episode, I also have an entire training on how to understand your competition. This video lesson is in our Business Boutique video training library in the Business Boutique Academy. Now, guys, if you haven't joined the Academy yet, I promise you, you are missing out. This gives you everything you need to win in business and reach your goals. You've got personalized assessments, customized action steps, a planning center to keep all of your notes organized, and the video training library with my video training on competition and over 35 other video training lessons. You're also going to get monthly coaching sessions with me, which, by the way, is the only way to be coached by me. My coaching services are reserved exclusively for Business Boutique Academy members. So if you need help growing your business or reaching your goals, I promise you there's no better way to do it than by joining the Business Boutique Academy. You can join today by going to businessboutique.com slash academy. Now, I'm so excited about our guest today because Amber Hurdle is a perfect example of everything I'm teaching you about competition. Y'all, Amber is one of the few people I know of that has the same take that I do. And we actually bonded over this on her podcast over at Bombshell Business Podcast. And I could not wait to have her on. So I'm so glad she's here to teach us about her perspective on competition. Amber, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Christy. I'm very excited to be here. So we talked before on your podcast, but for those listeners that might be tuning in that aren't familiar with who you are or what your podcast is or what you do, tell us a little bit of your background and your story and how you even got into this. Okay. Well, we'll try to condense it. Where do we start? Yeah. I know, exactly. <laughs> so I guess I'll just start with the definition of bombshell. To me, that is a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident female entrepreneur. And Love I think it. that's a missing piece for many female entrepreneurs. And so I went backwards and, well, how did I become so confident? And I think that it started with my story of being the girl that this shouldn't happen to, to becoming a teen mom and really falling from grace. I used my career and my professional attributes that stuck out to really fast track my success. And over the years, I've continued to apply those principles over and over again. And when I made the decision to leave my corporate job, I've done marketing and public relations for 20 years, which is crazy. Um, my daughter just turned 21 yesterday, by the way. <laughs> That's what happens when you're a teen mom. You know, just all of those life experiences 
And a lot of prayer and a lot of following my gut brought me to becoming a business coach. I thought that I was going to become a hardcore executive coach and just stay in Fortune 500s and continue to coach executives, which has been a part of my role in public relations throughout my career. And it just morphed. And I've always had a heart for women. I founded the Women's Council for Leadership and Philanthropy at Cumberland University when I worked there years ago. And when I saw this gaping hole that I think it's 5% of the money in small businesses is made by women, but like 37, 36% own businesses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's when I was like, okay. Right. I've learned a few things. (laughs) Right. And now I'm going to teach them. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the long and short of it. I love it. So you have a podcast. Tell us what other projects you've got going on. Yeah. So actually, I brought you a book. I do the podcast. That's my way of giving back to my community. I know not everybody can afford to work with me one-on-one or within their business and their group, but they can listen to my podcast for free. And so I've got the book that will complement that. And really, I'm giving away the farm. So it's the Bombshell Businesswoman, How to Become a Bold, Brave Female Entrepreneur. And I just walk people step-by-step through the journey. I tell my story, the first four chapters, pretty much so that they don't have any excuses. Like, if I can do it, you can do it. So the world just set that real straight. And then I'll walk them through the different things that have helped me and my clients over the years become successful. I love it. Well, I'm sure as our listeners are kind of putting this together, you and I first met on your podcast at Bombshell Uh Business. And then we kind of started talking about this whole idea of competition. And even as you're talking about what you're doing, so much of what you're doing is so much of what I'm doing. And so much of (laughs) what your heart is, is what my heart is, is to help women and to allow them to make money on their own terms, to pursue their passions, to be bold, to be brave. I love these words you use because it's so in line with exactly what we want to do through the business boutique. And so I think it's such a perfect example and model to have you here where we can share ideas and share examples and talk about not only our different experiences, but how those complement us helping the same market. Tell me a little bit, Amber, about in your history of coaching and in business, what are some of the themes that you've seen when it comes to women in competition specifically? Like how do we view competition? Are there any kind of tendencies we have? It seems like, from my perspective, that men and women approach it a little differently. Mm -hmm. And so what are you seeing when it comes to women and competition? Women tend to fall into the ugly disease of comparisonitis. And they either elevate their competition and downplay their own gifts and abilities, or perhaps they're jealous of the success of another female entrepreneur. And so they think they're stealing all their ideas. And really, at the end of the day, like nobody's really paying attention to you, like live your life, do your thing, (laughs) you know. And so that again, it just goes back to not being confident and not extremely understanding your brand, knowing your ideal customer backwards and forwards. Because as you said, we kind of do the same thing. But at the end of the day, First of all, we're different personalities. We have different backgrounds. We have different experiences. We have lots of different things to offer a unique individual female looking for solutions. And you said this on my podcast, and I'm just going to say it. Like, (laughs) you didn't write the book. And so you can get lots of books, and you can listen to lots of podcasts, and you can pull from lots of different areas. And maybe you're a brick-and-mortar business, and you do the same thing. Maybe you're a spa. I work a lot with spas and hair salons and that sort of thing. Maybe you're a spa, and you offer some of the same services as your competition. But it just might be that, you know, today I'm really feeling kind of earthy, and I want to get, you know, kind of more of a crunchy granola-type experience. And I want a fabulous, real high-end, luxurious experience on another type of massage. And so I make different choices based on what I need right then. What problem do I need solved 
right now, right. that's who I'm going to buy from. Right. And it's so interesting because there are so many solutions. Even you writing your book and the coaching you do is a sum of your experiences and the books you've read mm-hmm. and the people that have spoken to you. And so yeah. you didn't go to one event and that was the end of the day. It was no. like there's so many different areas for inspiration and education. But you said something that I thought was really insightful. You said, you know, a lot of times we tend to get caught up in this comparison game and we have a lot of feelings around competition. We attach, it seems like, a lot of emotions to it. So we get our feelings hurt or we feel intimidated or insecure or we feel threatened and we end up making decisions, but there are all these emotions around it where as a generalization, it seems like men don't. Like if we're going to kind of look at the gender differences here, it seems like when men approach business and competition, they're like, well, I'll just go make more money. Right. Like, I mean, it's so simple. <laughs> like, there's no all this, oh, I feel so squirmy, and I don't know, what does she think of me? They're not talking about that. Like, they're like, I'll just go make more money, you know? Right. And so if we were to take all the emotions out of it, I wonder if we wouldn't look at it as something much more black and white, something very that doesn't have all these squirmy feelings around it. It's just something where, obviously, there's going to be competition in business. You can work with many of them, as you and I have talked about, and we'll talk about more, but realizing it's not a scarcity mindset. This world right. is not a place of limits. It's a place of abundance, and people need a lot of books, and they need a lot of massages, and they need a lot of help. A lot of massages. (laughs) And so you don't have to feel so threatened. You don't have to come from this insecure place with a chip on your shoulder. You can really, as you said, do your thing. Go be you. Just use that kind of mantra of remembering that you have a place. You know, I know that we've kind of talked about that there are ways to champion each other, and we certainly try to model that even in the business boutique when we have a lot of different women speakers, and we'll have panels sometimes, and we'll all sit on there and talk about examples of ways that we champion each other because we want to model that kind of the Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, you know, they're both beautiful comedians in the same space, right? Competing for similar roles and they champion each other. So it's such a powerful example. What are some ways that you have seen women champion each other and it really pay off either in your life or maybe women you've worked with? Yes. I think a great example, I see this in various towns. It might be that a handful of boutiques will partner together and they'll do like a late night shopping event. They'll have a hashtag that they all use and they'll tag each other and they can be selling the same exact clothes from the same exact market in Atlanta, but they're still going to champion each other and feature maybe the things that might want to draw their customer into their unique establishment. So kind of the same thing, but a high tide raises all ships. Yeah. Yeah. So if people are out shopping and they're aware of all these stores, supporting that business environment is good for everybody. Now, again, behind the scenes, sometimes I see some of that insecurity, but I would encourage you to leverage that emotional side that women are lucky to have. Sometimes it does get in our way. It's kind of our Achilles heel. It's our strength and our weakness. Use that instead of jealousy or negative emotions, channel it towards love. Like, how can I love on my customers? How can I make a better experience for my customers by partnering with my competition in smart ways? Mm -hmm. Well, and I love what you said, too, because you're kind of hinting at something here where it can bring out the worst in us. And I've seen this happen where we've even had calls on the radio show with Dave Ramsey's radio show of these women like trash talking each other. And what I want to remind people is even if you have a competitor, even if they do something, never speak poorly of them, never use their names, never use them in your marketing, never trash talk them. Because when you talk bad about someone, it doesn't make them look 
bad. It, it reflects makes on you. you look bad. And I love what you're saying here, focusing on these positive emotions, because if you let them get to you, it actually will harm your business, not because of the competition, but because of how you behave yes. in response to that competition. You said it beautifully. They're going to do what they're going to do, and probably most people don't know about it until you bring it up, and then you start sounding like the squawky, yeah. complainer-type person. You also seem very insecure. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever gone to businesses where a business will trash talk another business, or in advertisements, they'll trash talk another insurance company, bank, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. My husband and I went to the Keys a few weeks ago for our summer vacation. And, you know, they have all these different boat tours where you can go on like a sunset sail. Well, they've got like, I don't know, 10 companies that do sunset sails. They all have wine and cheese. They all have sunsets. They all have (laughs) sails. Like it's pretty much the same thing. But we had seen some advertisement for one and all they did was trash talk their competitors in their ad. And I thought, I didn't want to go to them because it made them seem so insecure. Right. Like, is that the kind of customer that you want that's attracted to negativity? Right. Like, good luck making your money off those people. Right. It creates the whole environment. It really is kind of a domino effect, like you're saying, in the whole experience. Okay, so let's look at the flip side of this. We've seen some examples where you can champion each other and it really pays off. What are some maybe mistakes that you've made in regards to competition where you regretted it? Or you're like, you know what, that wasn't a smart move. Maybe an opportunity you missed out, you should have taken advantage of and you didn't, or something where you gave away too much and you regret it. You're like, you know what, that probably wasn't a smart move. I say this repeatedly to clients when we're talking about strategic alliances and who they need to network with to elevate their own brand, and it's don't give away your power. And I've done it. How do you do that? Let's break that down. You know, with your event or any events that I do, you want to ensure that you're bringing in somebody who complements but doesn't compete with your core messaging. So in these instances, maybe it was an event or maybe it was an online type campaign. I've invited somebody to partner with me, but then I basically shown, I put the spotlight on them Mm -hmm. and they elevated above me. And at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world and I'm still me and I'm still okay with me. So it's fine. But what I realized is that instead of looking to me as the expert, I was looking to somebody else to maybe fill in credibility Mm -hmm. or or whatever that was, because in this space, I hadn't earned it yet. Now in my career... You know, it's hard when you leave corporate and you're like the girl and, you know, and then suddenly nobody knows who you are. And it's like, whoa, this is crazy. Sometimes you do need to borrow the credibility of others, Mm -hmm. but don't give everything to them on a silver platter and then take a step back and be the backup singer. Right. And it's a fine line, too, isn't it? Because if you don't know the answer to something, and I'm sure you've gotten this in coaching sessions, as have I, I don't know the answer to every single question about every single business. And if you don't know the answer, you want to be honest and authentic. You know, I don't know about that specific industry or that tax regulation or whatever the specifics are, but I'll find out for you. You want to be honest when you don't know the answer, but at the same time, you don't want to always point to someone else. Right. And as you're saying, position them as the expert, as this is who your go-to source is, because you've built your business and your brand and your platform to be that credible, trustworthy source. You don't want to send them away when you're trying to build your thing. So that's a great example. Another one of the ways that you can partner with other women who might be in the same space as you or might have the same type of business as you is that you can be a good resource of information. So I tell people all the time, my network is my net worth. And 
there is no way <laughs> that I could live the lifestyle that I live now. There's no way that my business would be as successful as it is now without that network. And you want to be careful that you fill your inner circle of business with givers, not takers. Right. So people who have shown they're willing to take care of you, they're willing to ask your questions, and they're not always the one calling you asking, right. you want to be careful to not be the taker either. But right. if you feel like everybody's dumping into each other's emotional bank accounts and that sort of thing pretty regularly, then you don't have to point to somebody else. You can say, let me find out that answer for you and I'm going to get back to you. Even again, if you're a brick and mortar business, say you're an attorney and you don't know a lot about a very specific thing that comes up with a client, you don't have to say, we'll go talk to so-and-so. You pick up the phone, you call so-and-so and you share that information. Right. And girl so-and-so over in this other law firm is happy to right. share that with you. And then when she has a problem, she can call you. Right. So that's another way that you'd strengthen each other. Iron sharpens iron right. instead of having this whole gotcha system where you're keeping right. tabs. Right. I think with many of these women starting out, they feel so protective. It's their baby. There is mm-hmm. competition out there. But they get into that scarcity mindset, the someone's out to get me kind of witch hunt. And they feel like, oh, I've got to get all the patents, all the trademarks, all the copyrights. You can have all the documents in the world, and someone may People still jack still your stuff. going to copycat That's you. That's right. Yep. And so instead, just out-business them. Just serve them better. Serve right. them well. And it's interesting, depending on who I'm talking to, Amber, my advice sometimes differs. So when I'm talking to a group of Entree Leadership attendees, which is primarily male, running small businesses, if I was talking about this subject, I would say, you know, when in doubt – be generous. Like you cannot go wrong with being generous. You want to build great relationships, be known as a giver, as you're saying, you want to be the giver. But with women, sometimes I feel like that they err on the side of being so generous. They give it all away. They never make any money. They never make any money. They just feel bad. Oh, well, she asked for my secret spaghetti sauce. So I couldn't just say no. (laughs) I'm like, yes, you can. It's your sauce. I've been passed down for 15 generations or whatever. So it's funny how I feel like the advice that these women need depends on what they struggle with. If they struggle with holding it all too tightly, then maybe when in doubt, be generous. And if they struggle with giving it all away, then when in doubt, be smart. Let's set a few boundaries here. And it kind of helps you adapt the advice depending on what you struggle with. Well, and I think just in the whole scheme of competition and going back to that over generosity versus holding things too tight and the scope of everything that we've talked about so far, if you genuinely understand the problem that you solve, like why are people separating from their dollar dollar bills, y'all? Like right. that is at the end of the day, ain't nobody going to pay you unless you're solving a problem. Like right. people just aren't that generous. And so if you understand how you uniquely solve that problem, then competition really doesn't exist. Right. I mean, it does like on paper and when you're doing a competitive market analysis, but genuinely if you understand the value of what problem you're solving, then if somebody comes and asks for your secret recipe, you can't solve the problem for them. And I love how, segue a bit, Apple is pretty controlling about what you can and can't do on their phones for a reason, because they want you to have a great experience. Mm. And so if you're protective of your brand and the problem that you solve that way, then you get to share that great experience with your peers, with your customers, with your employees, and that carries out throughout everything. And then you don't really so much have to worry about what's going on up the road. That's so perfect, because it really does attract the people that are drawn to the problem you're solving in the way that you're solving it. Mm -hmm. And so as an example, all these home improvement shows, right? There's like 500 home improvement shows. Well, the people that watch Fixer Upper that are loyal Chip and Joanna Gaines fans probably are not that excited about other shows because they feel a connection to the personality of those human beings. Like Homes on Homes, not for them. Right. Which my husband loves that show, by the way. (laughs) 
And I really don't know anything about Chip and Joanna. So yeah. that just shows you right there. Yes. Different styles attract different people. There's something about those personalities that attract a certain group of people. And then to your point, when you look at it from that angle, no one has your unique style and voice and perspective and experience, all these things you bring to market. And so someone else may do what you do and charge what you charge, and you want to be wise about how you work with them, but they still don't have your style. They don't have your voice and your perspective. And so I love that example because it gives you permission, as we keep saying, to just be you. And then you don't have to worry about trying to be someone else and, and copycat what they're doing. And you don't even really have to worry that much about setting yourself apart. Just be very focused on knowing your problem, as you said, knowing what makes you unique and knowing who your market is and going after them. I would love it, Amber, if you give our listeners some examples of maybe for you, what are some personal boundaries you set in relation to competition, if you have any? Like, are there any kind of guardrails that you work within of like, okay, I'll work with competitors in this way, but not in this way? Well, my first guardrail is just going back to, are they a giver or a taker? Mm -hmm. Every time they end up in my inbox is because they want or need something from me. If so, then that's probably somebody I'm going to politely decline. I'll be too busy. Gosh, I've got so many great people in my personal world. And I think I am so good about guarding. Again, lessons learned from a teen mom over the years, you just got to learn who's with you and who's against you. But I would not allow somebody, let's just say that we were going to do a live event or a webinar or maybe an affiliate type situation where we both combine email lists or something along those lines. I would not get in the back seat. So if I'm forced to get put in the back seat, then I'm going against why I'm even on my own because mm-hmm. I could be in the back seat working for somebody else. Right. But the whole idea of this is for me to do your steer thing. my own ship. That's right. So if I feel like they're wanting to do something, now if it's for them and they're wanting me to maybe do a deeper dive on branding or personal branding or something along those lines, then great. But if we're going in it together, then we need to be peers sure, and not anything less than that. That's a perfect example. I like that analogy too, like front seat, back seat. And everyone gets that because that's why these women started their businesses because Mm -hmm. they want to do their own thing. I love what you said about the givers versus takers. And we were even talking a little bit before we started recording of the type of requests that we get. And I get the same thing. I'll get people reach out to me on Twitter or Insta story or email. And you get two different types. You get one type, which is very much the giver. And it's, hey, my life has been changed by Business Boutique. If I can ever support what you guys are doing, I would love to in any capacity. That person has a heart to help. They're a giver. They just want to somehow work together. And that's the type of person I'm immediately attracted to of how can we work with them? Because they come with a humble spirit. Mm -hmm. It's not what's in it for me. How can I have access to Dave Ramsey's megaphone or platform? (laughs) It's very much like they just want to help and their life has been changed and they have a story. But then I get the other ones that it's like, hey, I have a new book. Will you push it out? Will you share it, share it, share it? Like, I don't know them from Adam, and they're just making an ask. And this is a good point here to even drive home with our listeners of if you're reaching out to someone that maybe has a larger platform than you, that's further along than you, and you want to work together, which is a great idea, by the way. You should absolutely do that. I want you to write it, approach it, pitch it from the angle like you would in any of your marketing always answering what the customer's thinking, which is, why do I care? And it's the same true for influencers or bloggers or speakers or businesswomen further down the line than you. Your pitch needs to answer, why do I care? And so instead of saying, hey, I've got a book, help me, 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 let's talk about me, instead say, you know what, 
I love what you're doing and what you teach is what I practice. That's actually why I wrote my book is because of how you've influenced me. If I can ever help you, right. can we work together? Then you're changing your language to answer the question that that person is thinking, which is why do I care? And you become a giver versus a taker. And I think that's really important to distinguish here yes. because as we're saying from experience, we don't really want a lot of takers. We want to give too, but it needs to be the heart you approach it with. Right. And honestly, it's not even about me. It's about the women I serve. Right. So you can flatter me till kingdom come, but if you're not going to serve my audience, I love the requests that I get to be on my podcast. And they're like, I figured out how to make six figures and blah, blah, blah. And it's just so off base. My show appeals to many brick and mortar businesses. I have online businesses who listen. I have coaches and consultants and that sort of thing, speakers. But it's really addressed to a employee-based, you know, they have at least Mm -hmm. maybe three, 10 employees. They're brick and mortar. They've got a lease, you know, that sort of thing. And here comes this person who wants to teach them to 10X. They're using all this online marketing language. And I'm like, have you ever listened to my show? Do you really care about my audience? Right. Do you really want to serve my audience? Because if you don't, then this is not what I'm about. So you can't be a part of this either. Right. So quick PR tip. Don't be the person who becomes friends on LinkedIn and then immediately tries to pitch you. Yep. There is a dance to be done. Yes. And whether you want media coverage, you need to understand what do their readers want. Who is that media person covered before? If you're trying to network, just go have coffee. Like right. don't ask for coffee and then get 59 cents worth of hundreds of dollars of business advice, but ask them about their family. Ask them about their lives. Get to know them. If there's an opportunity down the road, then you've done the due diligence. You know, and I'm not saying be manipulative, but if you genuinely care about other people, then good things happen. Well, and it's interesting because we've talked about this in our podcast on selling where people buy from those they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. But that's true in anything in business and in life. People want to work with those they know, like, and trust. People want to do business with those they know, like, and trust. People want to have a guest on their podcast with those they know, like, and trust. (laughs) Not someone to your point that adds you as a friend and then immediately does a sales pitch and it's always they've got an angle they've got something that they want to get you know it's something what's in it for them and I love what you talked about serving your customers because it really can pay off to just do your homework of building this relationship ask about their family ask about their audience ask how you can serve them and I think that's really the distinguishing difference between this giver and taker as we're describing them when you get a request whether it's for a podcast or a coaching call or media hit or something else Where are they approaching you from this perspective of getting to know you, wanting to serve, having this heart to help versus what's in it for me? And I think that's just such a big determining factor. And it makes a big difference on whether or not they get a yes or no, honestly, and how they approach it. Yeah. And full circle, just back to interacting with your competition. If they can smell that you're just trying to up-level your own brand or your own exposure, right. that's going to come across. People aren't stupid. I mean, we all have far more discernment than we give ourselves credit for. Right. But if you go and say, hey, you know, I think if we do this together, the people in our community are going to have a much better experience and it'll help all the retailers around, just going back to my example, right. that way you're approaching it as I care about our customers and not I care about me and my bottom line. Right. And it's interesting because I've gotten several proposals from either agents or speakers themselves wanting to speak at a business boutique event, and everything in the proposal is about how awesome they are. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, at the end of the proposal, I'm like, wow, they are awesome. (laughs) But that didn't help me understand how they're going to serve our audience. I would rather have Susie Q from her basement going, my life was changed because I implemented this one step from a business boutique event, or I 
was so encouraged by being around these women at a past event, I would love to encourage other women. I'd uh-huh. love to tell my story. I'm like, that's the person I want, not the person that has the 500-page resume of how awesome they are, because really it is about that trust. It's about that credibility and building that relationship and having the right people to serve your market um, that you want to protect. And something that women, I think, have the ability to be better at, because men tend to jump and then look, and they tend to maybe overestimate their competencies. You said that so nicely. They, Thank they you. They tend to overestimate their competencies. I love it. It's so true. But women, we've got the ability to be more of a relationship mm-hmm. builder, and we don't need the plaque mm-hmm. to tell everybody how great we are. Yep. And I'm not picking on men. I mean, some of my best mentors are male. But getting back to the whole, we have emotions, sometimes they get in the way, mm-hmm. or get in the way, rather, We have emotions, and we can share those in a meaningful and productive way that can help advance us. That can build those relationships. That's a great point. Amber, I know a lot of our listeners are listening to you talk right now going, oh, my gosh, this is so good. I want more. So how can our listeners connect with you, find out about your book, your podcast, social media? Give us all the details. Okay. Well, if you'll go to amberhurdle.com, it's hurdle like you jump over. I've said that a million times since I've been (laughs) married. (laughs) You can find more information there. You can also connect to all of my social media accounts. It's pretty easy. It's Amber Hurdle on Twitter. So you can follow me at Amber Hurdle and see what I had for dinner and how much I love my husband and my children and um, occasional business advice there too. Awesome. And remind us the title of the book. It is The Bombshell Businesswoman. And that will be a live website in a few weeks, but probably not at the time of this airing. So just go to AmberHurdle.com and I'll keep you posted. When's the release date? October 1st. Ah, congratulations. That's awesome. So exciting. Amber, I feel like we could talk all day. I love hanging out with you. I had so much fun after our last podcast when I was a guest on yours for the Bombshell Business and I walked out of the room with our PR team and I go, anything she wants to do, I'll do anything with her. I was like, I just, I go, I just love her. I was like, I just, I love your heart. I love your energy. And to your point of what you said a minute ago, your heart for your audience of serving them and adding value comes through in everything that you do. And so I just appreciate you being here and giving us some tips on your experience and how to work with your competition, to not be intimidated by that, to go do your thing, to be you. So I would love it as we wrap up, if you would leave our listeners with either a few takeaways or pieces of advice, or maybe just a few words of encouragement that they can do this even though there's some competition out there, there's a place for them. Absolutely. First, I thank you for allowing me to be here. And I'm obviously, uh, I think I emailed somebody that I know that's here at Ramsey Solutions and just said, okay, I'm officially a fangirl. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I just love her. She's so great. And your heart for women is extraordinary. So I appreciate that as a female business owner myself. I'm just going to hammer home the point that I make with everybody in professional and personal situations. And that's if you know who you are, if you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and mm. I'm going to say this, take it for what you want, you are made in God's mm. image. That's good. The end. Who are you to argue with God? Yes. So if you dig in there and you figure out who you are, why you're here, and who you're supposed to serve, then it doesn't so much matter what Susie Q is doing well, up right. the street because <laughs> that's not your business. That's good. You focus on your business and you will find success and confidence. Ah, oh, preach it, sister. I love it. <laughs> so good. Well, Amber, thank you so much for being here. I've thank loved you. having you. Now let's listen to the story of Janet Wall and Evie Bennett. Janet recently launched her new business at our business boutique event in Atlanta this past spring. Janet is the founder of Snappy Stitch, a clothing company for children who need comfortable and specialized hospital clothing. She runs the business with her two daughters. I'm Janet Wall, and I'm the founder of Snappy Stitch, and it is a clothing business that I have designed and created, starting with the baby clothing, which 
is designed to work with children that are undergoing medical procedures so that they can be dressed and undressed without removing catheters and IVs and any type of tubing that they may have. Snappy Stitch began as an idea Janet had while her grandson was in the hospital after birth. My name is Evie Bennett and I am Janet's oldest daughter. And the inspiration behind Snappy Stitch was actually my son Pierce who was a premature and he then spent some time in and out of the hospital where we had to go through and cut off the sleeves of his onesies so that he could wear his clothes and be comfortable in the hospital. And that was what inspired my mom to start Snappy Stitch. Over time, Janet developed her idea. Pierce was born four and a half years ago, spent two weeks in the NICU, and then he was in and out of the hospital for probably the first two years Mm -hmm. of his life. And I saw him and many other sick children in the hospital. They all were wearing these hospital gowns, and their legs were hanging out. They just never fit them right, and they just looked so cold and uncomfortable. And I felt like I know how to sew, and I felt like I could do something to help our grandson and help other children in the hospital. Every parent wants their children to be comfortable and warm. And the idea started then. Pierce was our inspiration. Like I said, life happens, and you don't always get around to doing it. Pierce got well, and that was a great thing. But I still had it in the back of my mind, and I was doing a little sewing at home, trying to come up with some things. Then I went in the hospital a couple of years ago for some elective surgery, and I decided to make something that I could wear in the hospital, and I converted some clothes, some pajamas that I had, and I was actually able to wear them in the hospital with the catheter and IV, and the nurses thought it was a great idea. The doctors thought it was great. You know, they were all kind of, oh, you look so warm and cozy. And so it was still in the back of my mind. And then last year, our second grandson was born, and who would have thought that he would have been the NICU, but he was. I didn't have anything made for him, but I wish I had. And then he ended up just about a month ago at six months old having to have surgery. And I went ahead and made him some of the snappy stitch clothing in the hospital. His doctor, his surgeon thought it was, you know, a really good idea. The nurses thought it was great. He was able to be changed from one outfit to the other without having to take out any of the IVs or the catheter. Evie is an avid podcast listener and discovered the Business Boutique podcast. After hearing about the Business Boutique one day event in Atlanta, Janet set a goal of launching her business at the event. Evie had heard about the Atlanta Business Boutique, and she said, Mom, you got this started, you got to do it. So I went ahead and signed up for it, went ahead and formed the business, and we realized at that point I had a date on the calendar for the Business Boutique, and then Aaron asked me if we would be one of the vendors there, and that sounded exciting, and I started sewing, and haven't really (laughs) let up since then. Along the way, the Business Boutique podcast motivated Janet. All during the time I was sewing, I've been listening to Christy, Christy's podcast, and I can't tell you how much that motivated me. I'd listen to it. You know, I'd get kind of tired. I'm like, gosh, do I really want to do this? And I'm like, it's on the calendar. I got to do it. The girls, both of our daughters said, you got to do this, Mom. And I said, yep, I got to do it. And uh, so I have to say, Christy really motivated me along with my girls and my husband. And this is where we are. As Janet and Evie learned from the Business Boutique podcast, they applied the things they learned on the podcast to Snappy Stitch. 
I can think of a perfect example the other day where she was sitting there and we had some website issues just prior to the event and she comes up to me right after we got the bad news that the website wasn't exactly what we wanted um, and said, you know, I learned this on the podcast. I was like, things don't always go right and you've got to adapt as you go. (laughs) So that was one of the major lessons that we learned, but I think also the background planning of it and getting the marketing starting up, that's helped a lot. There were obstacles and surprises along the way, but Janet and Evie set goals and stayed the course. And Christy's talked about two of the things that a business owner needs, like being creative and being scrappy. And I realized that as we were going through all this and some of the problems that came up, during the last couple of months planning for this event and getting our business together and getting the website and Facebook and all. She was so right because she was talking about having a gift, not being afraid to develop what you have and asking somebody to pay for it because, you know, I feel like our product that we have is a really good product. We've been trying to price our products and we have to take into account how long it takes to make it, how much the fabric costs, you know, the supplies and all that we use. And sometimes I think about it and it's hard to think about the amount that you want to ask for something, but yet I know that I'm making something that people need. We needed it and we've talked to other people. Other people think it's a great idea. So it's okay to do that. And I did learn that from listening to her. Moving forward, Janet and Evie are setting goals for their business. They adapt their product line as they learn from their customers. We have the website. Right now, our website is more like a splash page with pictures of the products and stuff. Uh, We have a goal for May 5th of actually launching the online store. And right now, I have to work to increase some of my inventory to have more things to sell. Because from the feedback I've gotten today, I really feel like this is going to go somewhere. Yeah, I think a lot of our product, unless you touch and feel it, it, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to understand it unless you've kind of been in that situation before. But there is also an entire profession of medical professionals as well as parents of children who have been through that who understand it. And so my sister and I have relationships with some of those just from our past experiences. And part of what we'd like to do is going to be able to introduce those products. We've talked about them, but now we have the physical product that we can go before them and say, hey, here it is. Can you help us test it out and kind of product test as well? We've done some level of that, but I think that's probably a future one as well. It's getting more of that type of interaction and word of mouth started. We talked to Janet and Evie on the day they launched Snappy Stitch at the Business Boutique event in Atlanta. They were excited about crossing that milestone. Knowing that I had this deadline date was really good for me because I don't think we would be at this stage right now in the whole business development if we had not had this date to work towards. It's a little surreal, but it's been a lot of fun. I mean, there were some trials to get and hurdles to get over, but I think it's worth it. This day has been amazing, probably better than I expected. Uh, You know, I kind of expected, you know, we're sitting at a table, we have our products, people are going to ask questions and all, but I didn't expect everything that was going to happen. We got interviewed by CNN and that was a great moment. 
totally unexpected. Actually meeting Christy and seeing Dave Ramsey there was you know, just really amazing. And I've always heard that if you want to have something, everybody has a dream, you can have dreams, but if you really want to have something, you have to be able to envision it. And I finally started doing that as I was creating the products, listening to the podcast and pulling everything together. We've all worked together as a team, had meetings and all. And I started envisioning that the last few months, knowing that we were working towards this date. And now we're actually here. We have the website launched. And what's next? <laughs> oh, I love that story so much. Now, if you want to know more about how to build your business like Janet has, you can come to the Business Boutique event in Nashville this November 2nd through the 4th. Y'all, this year we have an amazing lineup of rock star speakers that includes Rachel Cruz, Rory Feek, Donald Miller, Pat Flynn, Patsy Claremont, Molly Pittman, Nicole Walters, and more. But you know I have a special code just for you, my favorite Business Boutique podcast listeners. If you use the code BBWrite at businessboutique.com, you'll get $10 off any ticket to the Business Boutique event in Nashville this fall. That's B-B-W-R-I-G-H-T. Y'all, this event is so much fun, and I want to see you there. Now, this past spring, you guys asked me questions by visiting our Business Boutique podcast booth at our Business Boutique one-day events. Now, I want to answer a few of those questions here. Our first question comes from Sierra. Sierra, what's your question for me? I'm Sierra, and I'm a dreamer. When starting a clothing boutique, where's the best place to find suppliers? Sierra, that's a great question. I'll tell you, when you're in the retail business or in any product-based business for that matter, your margins are automatically going to be smaller. When you're having a cost of goods like you will through clothing, you're going to have smaller profit margins, which means finding a great supplier with low cost is going to be hugely important. The best advice that I could give you is to ask other people in your industry. Now, you know, in this whole episode, I've been talking about competition, but there's a lot you can learn from your competition. Look at other clothing boutiques that are in a similar space and have a similar price point of what you want to do and find out where they're getting their clothes. Ask for their suppliers or manufacturers or methods. I know of several boutiques in Nashville, for example, that all attend the same market in Atlanta every single year to get their clothes. There's going to be best practices when it comes to suppliers in your type of industry. Another great resource for you would be to join the Business Boutique community at businessboutique.com. It's a completely free membership, and there are over 10,000 women there. You can actually post your question there, and you'll probably get tons of replies from other boutique owners that are quick to give you advice and help you. It's a great question, and I'll tell you, doing your research on the front end of the best supplier you can find is going to really help you keep your cost down and your profit margin up. It's a great question, Sierra, and I wish you the best of luck. Let me know how it goes. Now, our next question comes from Allie. Allie, what's your question for me? My name is Allie, and I'm about to start my personal training business out of my home. My question is how to balance being a mom and your family being your priority, but also starting your own business and how to balance life and work. I have two little babies, five months and two years. So sleep is important right now for mom to function, but also the hours between five and seven are a great time to get stuff done. So balancing what's important to make your family life work well and also get a jump start on your business and on your day. Allie, girl, you are busy. I hear you having two little ones with very similar ages as you. I get it. Here's the thing. 
Your family is a priority, and I totally hear you, but what you want to do at this stage of life is be flexible. Now, it's not to say your business isn't a priority, but you can't have rigid business hours and a set schedule like you would, for example, when your kids are older and in school. By then, their schedule is predictable. You know when they sleep, when they're awake, and when they're in school. That helps you set your business hours then. Right now, it's kind of just all hands on deck. You're in survival mode. And the truth is, their schedules are probably not that predictable. They're not in school, and you've got to be able to work around their needs. So here's what I would do. As your kids get more and more of a schedule, I would start to identify when are those blocks of time that you can get some work done. I'll tell you what it was for me. All last year when I was writing my business boutique book, the hours that I wrote were between 7 p.m. when my son went down and midnight. Now, I know midnight's pretty late for most people, but I'm a night owl, and that's when I worked best. Other people, like Rachel Cruz, when she wrote her book, she would wake up at 4 and 5 a.m. and work before her daughter got up. You have to find a way to work it around the little one's schedule, but also in a time when you work your best. So I want you to find some of those times that might work with your kid's schedule and for you, but at the end of the day, you've just got to be flexible. Maybe your plans go out the window on Wednesday, and so Thursday you get your husband to help you so you've got a few more hours. Give yourself some grace in this season because I promise you, as being a mom of two that are a little bit further down the line than yours, it does get easier. Great question, Allie, and I wish you the best of luck. All right, our last question comes from Stephanie. Stephanie, what's your question for me? My name is Stephanie Jones, and I'm in Essential Oils. For me, I live in a small town, and so I just need to find out how I can expand that. I mean, live 50 miles from the biggest town that there is. Waco and Brian. So I just need to figure out a way that I can reach people in those areas. Hey, Stephanie, that's a great question. You know what? I want to encourage you to think outside the box. And in this case, the box is your small town. You don't have to only sell in your small town. Unless I'm missing something, you can sell to people anywhere. I would encourage you to start to begin to set up an online presence. Certainly, you can target people in Waco and Bryan via online targeting through Facebook advertising and that type of thing, but you also can reach anyone anywhere. If you set up a shipping system, then there's no reason that you can't serve customers all over the United States or even the world. That's what's so great about our current culture of free social media and the internet. You've got access to billions of people. So don't feel limited by your small hometown. Even if that's how most people sell oils in your town, you don't have to do it that way. Find a way to expand beyond your small town and even beyond your state. Have an online presence and put some of your effort there, and then you won't feel the restraints of those limitations. It's a great question, and I hope this helps. Now, if you have a question about something we've talked about here on the podcast or anything about your business, I want to hear from you. You can send me your questions via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by using the hashtag AskChristyWright. We've also set up a group in the Business Boutique community at businessboutique.com called hashtag AskChristyWright. You can send me your questions and interact with the rest of the women there. So send me your questions because I would love to hear from you. Now, your homework for this week is to fill out your Business Boutique SWOT analysis. Remember, this covers the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats that you see when it comes to your competition. This is going to help you understand your competition and set yourself apart from them. You can download your free Business Boutique SWOT analysis at businessboutique.com in the show notes for this podcast episode. Now that's it for this week. Thanks so much for hanging out with me as always. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for more encouragement on how to make money doing what you love. Visit businessboutique.com. Business Boutique.